Welcome to the archives of legend and lore. I am the Chaotic GM, and every week I will bring a monster, humanoid, aberration, or some other being to the gaming table, and put it in the spotlight, so to say. We'll discuss some of the lore, the differences in additions, and possible ways to use them in your one-shot or campaign. This time, we'll look into the iconic foe from lore, the Bugbear. But, before we jump into the lore, I'd like to say a big thank you. I would consider my first real module, the city that Althred built, a success. And it's doing pretty good. I just want to send out a thank you to everybody, and I really appreciate all your support. Alright, now let's jump into the story. This week's story is Infestation. The war had been hard. Neither side could really claim victory. Vallis and what was left of his small army was heading home. A truce of sorts was called. The invaders would leave, and the two feuding nations would leave each other be. This type of truce never lasted. It was mainly so both sides could lick their wounds and come up with a new strategy. Or so, that's the way it had been for generations. The sun was starting to go down, and they needed cover for the night. Just over the hill was an abandoned keep. They had skirted by it on the original advance, but now it should make a great night's rest. They might even get a roof over their heads tonight. Cresting the hill, the walls of the keep came into sight. The front gate was closed, but a hole, from some siege no doubt, lay open on the west side. Vallis motioned, and the group of men made their way for the hole. Always cautious, the men went in, weapons drawn and ready. As they entered the courtyard, a crossbow bolt whizzed past the group, but it came from behind. Everyone turned for an assault, but it was just Orza, the unofficial cook, standing there. He walked past the group, up to the plump and motionless rabbit that had been hiding in the tall grass. What? We're low on food, and I won't pass up fresh meat. If I had warned you, it would have ran away. An uneasy chuckle went through the group. The men finished checking and clearing the keep. Nothing was found. Well, Ariza found several more rabbits and a couple game birds. Tonight, they shall feast, he declared. The men set up in what was once the Great Hall. It was open and still had a roof over it. Well, it was a stone floor from the next floor, but it would serve good as a roof. Just outside of what would have been a grand doorway, a building, probably a stable, sat. Ariza set up his cooking gear and started a fire. The building should block the light from getting out and give some cover from the wind. The meat was cleaned and put on a spigot over the fire. One of the birds was set to go into a pan. He would make a special meal for Vallis if he could only find some wine. The sun had set and darkness engulfed the area. Ariza called another man over to watch the meat to make sure it didn't burn while he set off to see if the cellar held any treasures. They found the steps leading down earlier and a group of men had cleared it, but not paying any attention to what was in the cellar. Hopefully some aged fine wine, Ariza thought. The stairs were stone set into the wall, and he made almost no sound heading down. He searched several of the rooms until he came to an old wooden door. It wouldn't open all the way. Either something was lodged in front of it, or it just become stuck with age and decay. He was able to squeeze through, and was rewarded with the wine cellar. Quite a few bottles still set in the resting places. Ariza looked them over, and chose two of the bottles for tonight. One for cooking, and one for drinking. He was so lost into his selection, and the happiness of his find, he didn't hear or noticed the secret door opening in the wall. When he turned around, he dropped the bottles. All thoughts of festivities were gone. Five figures loomed in front of him, geared to the teeth. One of the brutish beings smiled and then brought his club around to meet Ariza's temple. The light went out and his body lay still on the floor of the cellar. The five bugbears moved quickly, dragging the body out to the bottom of the stone steps. They needed to look like it was an accident and that he'd just fallen. They placed the body and then took up their spots. It had been a while since someone was foolish enough to camp here, but they would take full advantage of it. 
They slipped it in the shadows and melted it in the background. The meat was done, and the man was getting nervous. Where was Ariza? He called over another soldier and told him to get Vallis. While the Lord was coming, the man removed the meat and set it aside until they found Ariza. Vallis came quickly, and the man told him Ariza had went down to the cellar to try and find some wine. Vallis gathered a few more men, better to be safe than sorry, and headed to the cellar. When they got to the top of the stairs, they could see a form at the bottom, crumpled, and the side of his face that was facing up was bloodied. One of the men, a friend of Ariza's, ran down the stairs before Vallis could stop him. As the man bent down to help Ariza, one of the bugbears jumped from the shadows and drove his sword through the man's red shirt and his heart. An arrow appeared in the bugbear's eye a second later, Vallis already reloading. The room was quiet. Vallis threw down a torch, and every crack and corner was illuminated, revealing the other bugbears. The men opened fire with their crossbows, making short work of the foes. His group wasn't still alive because they were lucky. They were an efficient and well-trained bunch. Once the threat was dealt with, Vallis and the others moved down to retrieve their bodies. But when they went to Ariza, he stirred. He looked up and gave a weak smile. I guess I'm too stubborn to die, he weakly said. The others gave a chuckle, joyed that he was alive, but still saddened by the loss of their comrade. As they helped Ariza up the stairs, he stopped them. By the gods, we aren't leaving without that wine. In second edition, bugbears are giant, hairy cousins of goblins who frequent the same areas as their smaller relatives. Bugbears are large and very muscular, standing up to seven foot tall. Their hides range from light yellow to yellow-brown, and their thick, coarse hair varies in color from brown to brick red. Though vaguely humanoid in appearance, bugbears seem to contain the blood of some large carnivore. Their eyes recall those of the savage, bestial animal being greenish-white with red pupils, while their ears are wedge-shaped, rising from the top of their heads. A bugbear's mouth is full of long, sharp fangs. Bugbears have a nose much like that of a bear and the same fine sense of smell. It is this feature which earned them their name despite the fact that they are not actually related to bears in any way. Their tough, leathery hide and long, sharp nails also look like something like those of a bear, but are far more dexterous. The typical bugbear's sight and hearing are exceptional, and they can move with amazing agility when the need arises. Bugbear eyesight extends somewhat into the infrared, giving them infravision out to about 60 feet. The bugbear language is a foul-sounding mixture of gestures, grunts, and snarls, which leads many to underestimate the intelligence of these creatures. Yeah, I know quite a few people like that. In addition, most bugbears can speak the language of goblins and hobgoblins. Bugbears are born for battle and mayhem in 5th edition, surviving by raiding and hunting. They bully the weak and despise being bossed around, but their love of carnage means they will fight for powerful masters if bloodshed and treasure are assured. Bugbears are often found in the company of their cousins, hobgoblins and goblins. Bugbears usually enslave goblins they encounter, and they bully hobgoblins into giving them gold and food in return for serving as scouts and shock troops. Even when paid, bugbears are at best unreliable. Yet, goblins and hobgoblins understand that no matter how much bugbears might drain a tribe of resources, these creatures are a potent force. In the absence of their goblinoid kin, bugbears form loose bands, each one led by its fiercest member. Despite their intimidating builds, bugbears move with surprising stealth. They are fond of setting ambushes and flee when outmatched. They are dependable mercenaries. Wait a second. Just a second ago, it said that they're, you know, not that great. That they're unreliable. But then it says here that they're, uh, you know, good. They're dependable. Oh, well. But it says they are dependable mercenaries as long as they are resupplied food, drink, and treasure. But a bugbear forgets any bond when its life is on the line. 
a wounded member of a bugbear band might be left behind to help the rest of the band escape. But afterwards, that bugbear might help pursuers track down its former companions if doing so saves its life. In Pathfinder, these stealthy and cruel goblinoid creatures delight in spreading fear and tormenting their victims. Bugbears are the monsters lurking in the closet and hiding under the bed. Preying on remote farmsteads, bugbears reveal their presence with thumps in the night or creaks of boards to build lurking dread and arouse suspicion and fear. Bugbears live in small gangs that often prowl together, working as a group to sow torment. They keep their lairs in hard-to-find places deep in the forest or hills. Though bugbears don't have much concern for treasure, they're prone to keeping some gruesome trophies. So see, that's where one of the differs are there. The other um, two, the Dungeons & Dragons, both say that they really like the gold, you know, and the pay. Here they're saying that they really don't. But says that some might keep a leather cord strung from ears from their victims, while others collect severed fingers or noses. Bits of valuable jewelry can sometimes remain on these grisly prizes. <laughs> All of the additions agree that whenever possible, bugbears prefer to ambush their foes. If a party looks dangerous, Bugbear scouts will not hesitate to fetch reinforcements. A bugbear attack will be tactically sound, if not brilliant. They will hurl small weapons such as maces, hammers, and spears before closing with their foes. If they think they're outnumbered or overmatched, bugbears will retreat, preferring to live to fight another day. They are brutish fighters and are an enemy to be watched and never underestimated. Now, for one of my favorite parts of the show, let's get right with the storming of the brains in this episode's Chaos Creative Corner. Scenario 1. A gang or band of bugbears has been troubling several villages in the area, all in a radius of some old ruins. The towns have posted a bounty up for the removal of the problem. When the party goes to the ruins, they find one of the buildings has collapsed and has revealed a tunnel. The tunnel leads to an encampment of bugbears on the other side of the mountain. It appears through, well, dumb luck and the decay of the buildings and area that the bugbears have found the plentiful bounty of the villages. The party can try and remove the problem, or maybe just solve it by collapsing the tunnel connecting the two areas. It's up to them and to you. Scenario 2. The party enters a tavern for rest, food, and maybe some drink. The only empty tables are towards a dark corner of the room, and sitting at the corner table is a lone bugbear. Drinking and eating, of course. The party can ask about him before sitting down, and if they do, they are informed that that is Mert. He was abandoned by the other bugbears to save themselves, and he sits night after night plotting revenge. He doesn't cause trouble, and he pays with gold, so they leave him be. After the party starts their night of relaxation, Merc notices them and proposes. No, no, not like he's asking them for marriage. He, you know, comes up and suggests something. That since they are the only ones he hasn't asked, that he could hire them and help teach his old running gang a lesson. He wants them to go and kill the leader and maybe just beat up and bruise the rest. He offers real gold and of course, honor and fame. What he doesn't tell them, if they help, he will turn on them after they kill the leader and try to kill them with the rest of the gang helping to solidify his leadership status and dominance. Hope that one gives you a running point. Maybe you can make it bloom into your own special way. Scenario three. Let's just go with the tried and true and place the bugbears in their element. The party is in a dungeon. I don't know, um, trying to find the lost eye patch of Quirty the evil wizard. Quirty is in a form of stasis, and they need the eye patch to wake him and remove his stain on the ancient Elvish lands. He has, of course, left traps in the dungeon. Or better yet, he hired bugbears to set the traps. Throughout the dungeon, the party will experience traps, ambushes, and just general fun from the bugbears. 
I would set several ambush points so that they have to be on their toes to fight, but also look out for traps, even during the fight. Well, that wraps up another episode. Thanks for visiting. I always like having visitors in my little slice of chaos. If you enjoyed yourself, please consider giving me a review on your podcast platform of choice, or like and subscribe on YouTube, where a video format can also be found. I can also be found on Facebook as The Chaotic GM. And if you haven't already, please head over to the Dungeon Masters Guild and give my products a look. So far, I have the Halloween special, Pagorius Plate, and I have the first in the series, The City Altherid Built. And please, let me know what you think, and if you want me to continue down my path into the chaos. I hope you can join me next time when we blow the dust off the tomes and look deep within their pages. Remember, if you are truly chaotic, your players will never know what you'll do next.